Welcome to the Wisconsin Music Podcast. I was lucky enough to uh, Justin Thomas Brown. I always try to, you know, throw his name out there because that guy, like, he's done a considerable amount for me. Like, I, I can't say who's done the most for my career because it's far from over. But, um, but uh, he's done a lot to get it started. He also, um, he introduced, he, he basically gave me that first gig that kind of pushed me to form the Steve Hall experience. It was like in Milwaukee. Here to introduce you to the great musicians and music businesses and organizations of Wisconsin. Every week, Wisconsin Music Podcast will be bringing you great information on what's happening in the Wisconsin music world. For our music-loving listeners, we'll bring you music that you haven't even heard of yet from unique and talented artists and hear about their journey so far. You'll either hear live performances of their songs or songs from their selected discography. For our musicians out there wondering what they can do to further their recognition, we'll be calling upon Wisconsin music businesses and organizations to enlighten you on what they're doing to help further your music journey. And now, here's your host, Zach. Thanks, Dean. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Wisconsin Music Podcast. Wisconsin Music Podcast, brought to you by Diamond Dave Photography, the photography that supports local music in Wisconsin. It is ready to work with your band or any solo artist on your next promo pictures or band show. To contact Diamond Dave and see previous work, check out Diamond Dave Photography on Facebook and Instagram. Wisconsin Music Podcast is also brought to you by ZTF Studio. ZTF Studio, recording and mixing services. Specializing in singles, demos, EPs, and LP projects for the last 20 years in southeastern Wisconsin, doing jazz, rock, funk, country, indie, and more. ZTF Studio brings success to your recording project. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Wisconsin Music Podcast. This week we have Stephen Hall of the Stephen Hall Experience. Stephen is in Racine, Wisconsin. He's 22 years old. He's been playing guitar since he was 14. He played piano before that but feels that guitar has been his real calling. He has been likened to a young B.B. King and Albert King, um, two of his major influences, as well as Stevie Ray Vaughan and others. You'll get to hear some of Stephen's performances and get to know him a little bit better. So let's get right into the interview with Stephen. Hey, Stephen, welcome to the Wisconsin Music Podcast. Why don't you introduce yourself to everybody? My name is Stephen Holt. I'm 22 years old, and I have lots of fun. <laughs> That's excellent. So you grew up in Racine or did you grow up in a different city? I was born and raised right here in Racine. Graduated from Case High School. Cool. Do you come from a musical family or are you kind of like the first generation? First generation by far. Well, I have like aunts and uncles that, you know, may play and sing, you know, here and there. But uh, I always laugh at my parents. I'm like, I don't know where I got my musical talent from. My dad's a truck driver. My mom's a banker. Well, you got the bug somewhere. So were you part of any music classes when you were at Case High School? I was. Uh, I have a funny story that uh, about the band teacher, Miss, uh, Mrs. Banizak was at the time. I had asked her my junior year, or no, my, my sophomore year, if I could join jazz band. And, you know, I wasn't too terribly good. And she asked me, do you, do you, do you read music? And I told her, well, not for guitar. She said, then no. <laughs> and, and then uh, I did a video. I did a video for one of my teachers where I was just, you know, messing around on guitar. He wanted to do some silly stuff. Yeah. And I, we did band room and she saw that. And she said, learn how to read music and sign up for my class. <laughs> and then cool. we became friends. Excellent. 
So you, did she teach you how to read music? Um, well, technically, I already knew how to read music from playing from years of playing piano. Oh, okay. I hadn't really translated that to guitar yet. Gotcha. When you have jazz, you know, it's not the same anyway. You just get a lot of chords above a, above a rhythm pattern. Right. So I know you talked about piano, but is that like still something that you put your fingers on or? Well, I have one in the house and sometimes I'll sit down and make a little noise, but that's not uh, where my talent really lies. Although when I finally decide to get it tuned, I think that'll change because I really love jazz and I've always wanted to, you know, get good at, at playing, you know, some jazz standards. Yeah. But um, as far as main instruments go, I'm a pretty decent bass player. Like if I had a, an emergency gig and I needed somebody, I'd call me. <laughs> cool. But yeah, it's just guitar and, 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 and bass mostly. I'm learning how to play drums, which is a challenge. <laughs> yeah, I got to make four limbs do something other than just the two working together. Right. Well, with your fingers, you got four fingers and five on the other hand working together, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I guess technically, but I always, I don't know how, like, I feel like this hand makes all the decisions and this hand just follows along. You're right. I got you. I got you. Growing up through high school and past that, what music projects did you find that were your most inspirational? Um, I feel like uh, it was just it was wild for me to be a part of something outside of school because I had a band in high school um, that I was a part of that, you know, we did on the weekends and whatnot. And it mm-hmm. was with, uh, you know, two older gentlemen. And, we you know, we went around town doing little bar gigs and whatnot. But then I finally started, you know, to break out when I started doing uh, this one band called Cold Shot, whether it was with uh, Tyler Steggy and Pierce McVeigh on bass. And so, like, we just, you know, went around, got a few pretty decent gigs. And that never really went anywhere because, you know, everyone else had things to do. Right. Uh, but uh, then I went through a bunch of different things. I was with Pierre Lee, who's a very talented keyboardist and vocalist out of Milwaukee. I was with him playing a lot of gigs for a while and that was a lot of fun but i was just like i gotta do something that you know lets me be me and then i decided let's go with the Stephen hall experience and see what that turns into and boy howdy (laughs) (laughs) ever since yeah tell us the journey so far with the experience so we um i i kind of started this as a catch-all to you know be able to just you know book certain musicians and be able to, you know, play at certain gigs and not have to worry about who's in the band per se. Because, you know, if you have a certain set members, then you have to be billed as such and such or, you know, note that there is a replacement. But with the Stephen Hall experience, all people are expecting to see is me. Everybody else is just about. Uh, we've played at, uh, you know, nice uh, upscale clubs like uh, the Chill, which uh, sadly burned down last year. Festival there called the Chillibration. The chill operation, excuse me, and like it's this big outdoor festival. There's tents and stuff, and uh, I played it. That was one of the first, you know, major um, outdoor gigs that I got to do. Then um, I, I luckily fell into you know good hands. There's a lot of good musicians around Milwaukee in the scene that I just you know happened to run into at you know open jams and stuff. But I ran into one of the um, the leaders, I don't know what exactly, I think she's a coordinator for the Paramount Blues Association. And so like they host a bunch of festivals. So I ran into her while I was, you know, just catting around Memphis. She 
put me on a lot of different festivals and, and stuff up here in Wisconsin, which I'll be so grateful for because that widened my audience. You know, most people, you know, they don't hear about young guys anymore. Yeah. There's like a few of us and we're far in between. I was lucky enough to uh, Justin Thomas Brown. I always try to, you know, throw his name out there. Cause that guy, like he's done a considerable amount for me. Like I, I can't say who's done the most in my career. Cause it's far from over, but, um, but uh, he's done a lot to get it started. He also, um, he introduced, he, he basically gave me that first gig that kind of pushed me to form the Steve Hall experience. It was like in Milwaukee at the Oasis. Um, I forgot what street is on, but um, he, he introduced me to Rose's Lounge down in Chicago. And um, thanks to that, I got to meet Tony, the owner, and he actually got me to play at the 2019 Chicago Blues Fest. Oh, nice. Yeah, that was that was one epic day. It was only a thirty minute set, but it felt like you know I was flying for a full thirty minutes. And a story that I always like to tell people is that I, I went down there only with Pierce. Everybody else I played with that day didn't know him. I probably can't tell you their names if you put a gun to my head. Yeah, you know I only met him for that day, but um, I was so nervous because it's like you never know what you're walking into. But I was I I had faith. I was like if if they're playing and they're musicians that. You know, uh, Tony, who's a musician and a businessman himself that he's putting me with, like they've got to be decent. Um, but from that, I, I I was able to put together um, my favorite arrangement of a uh, Howling Wolf tune, Killing Four. And I, I, I love it. Um, it's kind of upbeat, more funky than, you know, the original. But I, I'll listen to the original any day. But um, um, I thought it was always I'll always look back and, and say it, it's kind of interesting who you meet because I had no idea until like, I guess someone had said something to me, but I wasn't paying attention, but I was talking to the drummer and I noticed he wasn't looking at me when I was like, but he was like paying attention deeply. He wasn't looking at me. And um, it, tur- it turns out that he was actually blind. And so it's like, I, I was, I, I found it fascinating. I, I, start, I started thinking, I was like, well, how am I going to tell him when the song's over? Because normally I, I use a lot of, of hand signals, you know, and sometimes I'll yell, but like uh, I try to keep it, you know, straight to hand signals. So that way, you know, I don't have to, I don't distort any audio. But I, of all the drummers I've ever played with, he's got to be top five. He's, his chops were amazing. His time keeping was good. He followed all the changes that you could possibly throw at. Him. And, that's a, and I, I think that's a testament to how, you know, people who feel music can like listen to it. Uh, and like they can anticipate changes a little bit better, you know, after, you know, you, your experience with it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like a strong testament to that because uh, he's had to been playing for, for decades and just really, really good at it. Most recently, I, um, I actually uh, came in second place at the uh, Interstate Music Awards. And um, that's where I saw you. That's where I found out about you. It's like I just happened to come across that video and I was in, like, you were on there. I'm like, and then I saw Pierce. I went wait a second, these guys must be from Wisconsin. And it's good to know where people get to know me from because it's, uh, I always get curious is because I want to, I want to be able to expand my audience and, you know, and, and get to know what people are listening to, what they're liking. So that way, you know, when I have a, a, a bit of content that is more favorable, I'll push that a little bit more. So did you really get to keep the guitar? There it is. <laughs> yep. 
in all her glory, I couldn't believe when 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 he looked at me and and said, "You get to keep the guitar." I was like, "Yeah, sweet." <laughs> uh, and then, like after you know the camera stopped rolling, I was like, "Hey, do I really get to keep the guitar?" He said, "Yeah, sure." So I was like, "Oh my goodness!" <laughs> I was like, "This isn't a cheap guitar, one, and it plays really good, and the pickups on it are just amazing." I was like, I, I can't believe that someone would just give it away. Um, but I guess second place has its perks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes second place is better than first place, depending on where you are in your career. Exactly. I don't know what I, I would have had to come up and come out and do something special if I had won first place. But I feel like winning second place, I can actually kind of focus more on the background of, of what I'm trying to do here and provide, you know, um, more infrastructure to my business like i can you know focus more on like how i'm going to go forward you know with this pandemic i'm doing a lot of live streams yeah and uh, i actually just did one for rose's lounge not too long ago um which i thought turned out real good it's sad that uh piercy couldn't make it um so i had my friend uh ivy ford who's an amazing guitarist and vocalist she filled in on bass for us and then I had some guest stars, well, Big Al Dorn, Eddie Muniz, who doesn't typically play with us. Uh, and when I, because I do a trio, he was on keyboards. He actually played in a band with us for a couple of years. Heck yeah, man. I yeah. love it. He's such a, he's so good. He, and he was actually the first keyboardist I ever played with when they used to do those uh, jam sessions down at the beach. Oh, okay. At the Oasis, yeah. I, I used to go, that was the first, one of the first places I stopped by and, uh, there's a video of us playing just uh, jam in A flat is what I, I titled it and it's on YouTube. Um, and he's just lighting that p- piano up. Him and Dennis Marshall Jr. I think it is on drums. I went to school with him. Small world, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and, and he's just he's so good. It makes me sick. Yeah, I haven't heard him in a long, long time. But every time someone mentions his name, and they always say he's a really, really excellent drummer. Mm-hmm. Which it made me feel good because uh, uh, my my drummer in my band now, his name is Victor Reed. He's freaking insane when it comes to you know chops and stuff. He's got a lot of rhythm and a lot of uh, a lot of pocket, um, but his solos are just ridiculous. And so to see Dennis look at him the way he did when he did a solo right in front of him is like, yeah, see, <laughs> I told you. drummers no drummers, game yep. recognized game. <laughs> yep. Uh, I grew up with a drummer. My my dad's a professional drummer, and I actually played drums myself. So one of the bands I like to go see is the Dave Matthews Band, and I just watch Carter almost the whole time. I just watch him like a hawk just because he puts me in awe watching him play. Yeah, well, trust me. Whenever I go watch, you know, some of my favorite bands, maybe guitar is at the forefront of, you know, said band. I, I have to, I absolutely have to just watch the guitarist. Yep. What he's doing and like see if, you know, he knows what he's doing. A few rhythm guitarists, you know, mess up on stage and it's like, you can, you can do that. I do it all the time. But it's like, dude, you got that job. I want your job. What, what do I have to do? <laughs> Who do I have to talk to? And uh, funny enough, I've gotten to know people, thank goodness, uh, through the pandemic because, you know, everyone's staying at home. Uh, I've gotten to know several different, you know, artists that I I've been Facebook friends with for a while, and just you know have haven't had the opportunity to talk to. Um, and you know, it's 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 humbling to know that you know so many of us we, we're just alike. Um, we were miles apart, but grew up the same basically. Yeah. Um, you know, we all just you know vibe to good music. <laughs> 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's go on and talk about venues. We talk about doing live streams, but before the pandemic, and we talked about venues that you played at before as well, but did you start off like coffee houses, open mics and stuff like that at first? Um, the open jam session at Henry and Wanda's that is now Taste of Soul 262. Okay. Uh, that's where I started with Roy Edwards. I don't know if you remember him. I know. I, I knew of him very well. Love, 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 love Roy. Um, yeah. Uh, he used to do, you know, one of my favorite songs was Shaky Ground. The way he'd do it, he'd, just get, he'd get in those drums and, you know, singing at the same time. It was just so talented to me. I was like, oh, my goodness, how do you do it? Because, I mean, I know you got to pat your head and rub your tummy, but goodness gracious. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I started off at Hermione Juana's, George's. Um, now I, I tend to play uh, Smoked on the Water. I've only, I think I've only played at Route 20 maybe once or twice. I okay. got to figure out talk to out there <laughs> yeah he likes to pull in um more well-known names which the way you're going um i was gonna say well it should be a matter of a few <laughs> days i guess before i get a call i think your town can take you pretty far i always say that um it, it, it was i i've always kind of been level-headed but you know my parents you know they kind of you know drilled it in real real finely that Good. you know you, you can't go around being a jerk no there and uh you'll just have a lot of pissed off people willing to beat you up <laughs> yeah i had um the uh trumpet and jazz professor um russ johnson on he's a professor of jazz down at uw parkside and he's you know he's done like um he's played in new york he's done soundtracks like for the little Falkers. he's he's actual solo trumpetist for it and stuff like that and he says man to make it in this in this line of work as a uh, gigging musician, you have, to, you have to be really, really good, and you can't be an asshole. And see, now, Buddy Rich, he got away with because he was just really, really, really good. <laughs> and I, I don't, uh, I don't see anybody getting that kind of a, a foot up on the competition anytime soon. Because especially with nowadays, you know, with I mean, there's a lot of people who talk about the negativity of cancel culture, but I do think it's pretty important to hold people accountable for what they do. Yes, absolutely. Especially musicians, because it's like I, I can't deal with somebody who's who's known to, you know, walk out in the middle of a gig. I would definitely want someone to be like, hey, you know, you shouldn't hire such and such because they have a temper problem. Right. They get fall down drunk at a gig uh, like at the in the first set, you know, and it's just like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> I, and funny enough, that happens. Uh, yes. I found that out the hard way. I was like, okay, can't hire you anymore. Right. Not to clean up your act. I mean, people deserve second chances depending on what they did. For the most part, people deserve second chances. Mm -hmm. And that's why I always tell people, it's like, look, you can, you can do me wrong. And I'll, have, I'll just have nothing to do with you until you get better. I, I want to see change. Right. Exactly. Absolutely. It's like any kind of relationship. If you can't change and grow for a better outcome then it's gonna not last very long exactly my darn phone is going off like a bug <laughs> that's what that is yes i forgot to put it in do not disturb uh, <laughs> um going down my questions here let's kind of talk about the local scene attitude and we're going to talk about both sides of the coin uh the positives of the local music scene and the struggles so whichever one you want to go with first well it's always easier to get the good stuff out of the way what do you see happening in the town that's really good for the local musicians i think it's it's really beneficial to have so many people who are willing to open to do open jams 
and to, you know, instruct people on how, you know, to deal with other musicians. Because when you're, when you're jamming a, uh, at home by yourself and you're doing all this stuff to backing tracks, you can adjust the volume, you can be as loud as you want, you can play as quietly as you want. But when you're playing in an ensemble feeling, you have to learn how to read different musicians and how, and how we all communicate. Because I didn't know what Go to the Four meant for a long, long time uh, when I was first starting. Because, I mean, I didn't know that you needed to instruct people. I thought we all just played the same song the same way every time. <laughs> and no. then what, uh, a friend of mine, Jimmy Cruz, instructed me that that's not how we do things. <laughs> <laughs> yep, Jimmy. I've known Jimmy for probably almost my whole life. He played in a band with my dad back in the 80s. Right on. Yeah. He plays the heck out of the bass. I want to see him play guitar, but he never plays anymore. Oh, too bad. He was excellent guitar player. So I heard. I mean, I've seen some pictures of him just absolutely shredded. I'm just like, dude, do it. Do it again. <laughs> um, but uh, we have that welcoming spirit. Um, uh, at one point in time, you know, we had a lot of different, you know, jam sessions going. Like you could have, you could find one any night of the week. And um, I, I found that to be real accommodating because not everyone has the same schedule. And if you're not like me, where you, um, you're a musician full time, you might not necessarily have the time to go out, you know, every Friday or every Thursday. Maybe you only have free time on your Mondays. And now you can, like, uh, I don't know how the schedule is going now because I used to, I'm, I'm in several group chats that, you know, they post all the schedules, but I don't necessarily, I'm not keeping up with it right now. Yeah. <laughs> um. But, um, you know, you're able to, you know, find something that fits to your, your needs. And then, you know, there's different sizes. Like, uh, I want to say, you know, the biggest size jam session that is running in the city would have to be at Smoked on the Water. Because you're outside and, you know, you can set up any way you want. To, well, not any way you want, but, you know, you can set up um, and you can play just about anything that you put your mind to. And, you know, people stop by there naturally just for good food. But, you know, you throw out an event and they just they show up and it's good, especially in the summertime, because you can socially distance out there you know, and you can uh, go buy drinks from the, the stand and you can just enjoy the good atmosphere. And then when it's your turn, you just come right on up. I, I'll throw this. It's It'll be almost I don't want to say posthumous, but it's uh, almost it's coming to an end. Schmidt music, love going in there, love hearing the stories. I, I love, you know, meeting all the different musicians coming in and out. You know, I've seen in the same day someone buy the first guitar, and then you know, an older, more seasoned musician come in, you know, saying, "Hey, well, this isn't working on my guitar. Can you fix it?" And you know, they talk about the old days. I'm just like, man, this is so cool. I'm right here in the middle, just you know, learning. Yeah, I I actually taught uh, saxophone lessons out of their um, lesson studio for years, and I've known Steve ever since he opened up the the shop back in thirty three years ago when I first started playing saxophone. So yeah, he was the one that I don't know if they had if you know this, but they usually have like a band night like in fifth grade where you go and try out all different kind of instruments to see which ones you play, and he was there with Schmidt music and having, you know, all the kids try out all the different like brass and woodwind and string instruments. So I've known him for a long, long time. So, yeah, it's very sad that it's closing at the end of March. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, the the way I look at it, and I, I walked in there and I said, "So I hear you're you're retiring," and he goes, "I'm trying to." <laughs> <laughs> That's Steve. Yep. <laughs> so I I'm glad you know you know I can't be too upset and too sad about it because 33 years is a long run. Yeah. I haven't even tried for 33 years, <laughs> and uh, he's been right there, you know, making a, a significant difference in the community. I remember going to several music programs and seeing, you know. Schmidt Music as one of the sponsors, and I'm just like, oh yeah, I know those people. Yep. And then it's just, it's beautiful, you know, what he's done so far. And so hopefully one of these days, when I, when I make it, um, <laughs> I hope to open my own music shop. And um, you know, one thing I'd like to do is kind of have like an apprenticeship going through there because I would like to be able to, you know, train people as they come up because I know I would have loved to be a luthier and you know run a music shop uh as a day job because it's like you get it people the people around there understand what's going on and you know what it's like to be a geeky musician yeah so you know i wouldn't have to worry about working because i believe schmidt closes at five on the weekends anyway <laughs> yep so that that would be perfect cause most gigs that i i would ever get would if they started at six you know i'd leave at five and head up straight to my gig and I'd be there. Diamond Dave Photography, the photography that supports local music in Wisconsin. It is ready to work with your band or any solo artist on your next promo pictures or band show. To contact Diamond Dave and see previous work, check out Diamond Dave Photography on Facebook and Instagram. Wisconsin Music Podcast is also brought to you by ZTF Studio. ZTF Studio, recording and mixing services, specializing in singles, demos, EPs, and LP projects for the last 20 years in southeastern Wisconsin, doing jazz, rock, funk, country, indie, and more. ZTF Studio brings success to your recording project. All right, back to the interview. But let's talk about, unfortunately, there are not so great things about the local music scene. What do you? What have you noticed that's kind of suppressed the rise of good musicians do you think (laughs) (laughs) um oh i'd say that there is kind of for all the good there is kind of a snobbery kind of that some people hold and i understand partly where it comes from because after you do it for so long you get tired of the same types of i don't want to say mistakes but same types types of carelessness yeah don't allow for everyone to enjoy themselves i found myself kind of feeling that way towards the end of the open session you know that i was one of the hosts but then i had to think to myself and said no i'm not here for me i get those days where i'm here for me that's when my name is on the marquee and i get the nice check today i'm here to have fun and just you know have help other people do their thing I do dislike the amount of small bars that we have here that, you know, like live music, because uh, it's it's so it's, I, I either have to downsize entirely and find somebody with a cocktail, you know, drum kit um, or we we blast everyone out. And I, right. I hate to be that person, but I, I choose tone over. <laughs> yeah. Over anything because I hate sounding like crap. Oh, and and though I love some places, it's like I can't afford to play there. Yeah, now I'm 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 bringing a lot more to the table versus when I started, and so I always joke with my buddy Caleb, who owns and runs uh, Smoked on the Water. I said, uh, one of these days you're gonna be writing a comma in my check, man. 
He said, I'll be able to tell people back when I got used to get you to play for three hundred dollars. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I can't wait for you to, to tell that as a story as well. <laughs> I want to say that uh, also a few places that were, you know, instrumental in, in keeping the, the, the jam circle kind of going, you know, they kind of, they just stopped having jam sessions, which makes it, you know, all the more confusing on how to, you know, tell people, hey, this is where I started. You know, I used to play here. This is what we used to do. You know, how are we going to get that going for yeah musicians i wish that more people were available or uh able to have you know decent equipment because i've seen you know this old guy he walks up to the jam session and he has this absolute raggedy you know boat uh, i call it darn near a boat paddle guitar it was just it was terrible but he was playing it you know, yeah. fantastic i told him let me see that thing after he got none and I, I, I kind of, I tweak with it, and I, I, I kind of, you know, make the action a little bit more playable for him. And it's just, it, it, I could tell that it was going to go, you know, back to being in a poor state because, you know, cheap materials. Yeah. Yeah, I just wish there was, you know, some way to get, you know, people who are genuinely interested in music, the the equipment that they deserve. Yeah. I still have my first guitar upstairs. Um, I don't I don't play it. The electronics on it, you know, cheap the action on it was pretty decent. I had to get it set up a few different times while I was playing it because I play like I'm trying to kill the darn thing. Yeah. <laughs> but um it it just as as your talent goes up, I, I do think that you should be able to, you know, trade up to some nicer equipment. And hopefully that happens for people. Let's kind of go into the recording studio. Do you guys have an album out yet? Or are you working towards one? Uh, I'm kind of, I'm currently, you know, right in the writing stage. And it's it's very difficult to write good blues music in this day and age because so many people cop out and go for the easy stuff. And that's kind of what's flooding the market now. Like it's it's not too much authentic blues out there. Uh, everyone just wants to throw a pentatonic scale over some chord changes and call it the blues. And I'm not looking to do that. Yeah. I am. Um, I know that I I'd like to have some acoustic tunes on on my album because I I found that acoustic blues is just it has something different to it. And I, I have a lot of different people to thank for that, but. Um, like Marquise Knox and um, Sean McDonald, both uh, both of those gentlemen are in the South. I, I think one resides in Tennessee currently, but he's from Georgia, and then the other is from St. Louis. But John Tavius Willis, uh, he's uh, from Georgia. He's, I got to say, my greatest influence when it comes to, you know, studying the blues and getting to know what I'm playing. And I could have just, you know, stuck to the, you know, playing acoustic guitar like it was just an electric guitar. Yeah. But he's shown me several different ways why that is awful. So I hope to get, you know, some new, fresh material that has some nice homage to its roots. Do you have any originals that you have posted like on YouTube or Mino or anything like that? I have one that is on my fan page, the Stephen Hall Experience on Facebook, where it's not a re- it's not really a blues tune at all. It's just um, something that I wrote while I was visiting a friend of mine in Texas. Uh, Tommy Katona is his name, and 
when I talk about monster guitar players, he's one of them. Invited me, you know, down to just, you know, chill and hang out and, you know, play some nice music with him. And uh, he is one of my good friends, one of my best friends. He's a brother to me. And I, I'd have to say that he provided me with a space that, you know, was so inviting that I couldn't help but write like, a really nice song. Cool. I'd say uh, Be a Nice Human is the, the song that I'm referencing, referencing at the moment. Okay. That's, on my, okay. Uh, that's on my Facebook page. And then there is a, um, the, the live stream I just did at Roses. And anything from there, I wouldn't mind you putting on there. Although that's not my, those aren't my original songs. It's just, it's quality blues music. I, I recommend our version of Caledonia. Um, it really, it just, it swings, you know? Okay. Um, so the the history behind uh, be a nice human, or excuse me, be a good human, um, is I I was shopping with my girlfriend, um, and we had just you know we were in five below just you know milling around, and we saw these shirts because uh, we wanted to get matching pajamas. <laughs> we, saw, <laughs> we saw these shirts, and it says be a nice human on it. And we both just looked at them and then we looked at each other and then we were just like, yeah, that's, that's it. That's what we want. And so I was going to be in, I was in Texas for like 11 days. And at that point it was the longest time we'd been, you know, apart. And, um, you know, we would wear our pajamas together, uh, you know, when we'd go to bed or whatever. And I just kept looking at the shirt and I kept reading it and, you know, I'd be online and see so many terrible things happening. And I just, I couldn't help, but just write, you know, put a pen to paper and put the song together and, you know, try to, to embrace, you know, a little bit of unity there. Yeah. Excellent. And even though they might not be originals, you might have some kind of connection with some other songs and kind of tell us how you connect with that song. Caledonia um, is a tune written by Louis Jordan. Um, I cannot remember the year, but um, I've always been a fan of his as soon as I heard uh, Is You Is or Is You Ain't My Baby. Uh, a lot of people might remember that song from uh, Tom and Cherry, where Tom, you know, slapping that big old upright bass, you know, jumping okay. all around. Yeah, yeah. And I, ever since I heard that song, I was like, well, who's it by? And so I, I looked it up and I was like, yo, this song is awesome. And so I, I fell in love with his entire catalog um, from uh, Caledonia to Ain't Nobody Here But His Chickens. You know, just a, a lot of quality jump and jive songs from from louis jordan and i that's been a staple of my set uh for about four maybe five years like every band i've ever been a part of we played that song because it's just it's one song that i cannot really go without basically
Killing Floor was written by uh, Howlin' Wolf, um, and or at least performed by. I can't remember if it was written by him as well, but um, it's uh, it's a song about overstaying your welcome. <laughs> gotcha. I absolutely love that song because I get to just you know experience this this surge uh, through me when kind of like almost a fit of rage, you know about you know it's like. I, I should have quit you a long time ago, and now I'm on the killing floor. You know, he didn't do what he knew he should have, and now he's in trouble. Right. And so it's like you go, you can tear in that soul, just you know, guns a blazing, because it's it's to me a song where you're just you're getting all your frustration out, and you're really mad at yourself, no matter how mad you you can project your anger towards someone else. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, 
do you have any issues with work-life balance? Oh, I I did. For the last couple of months, I had worked at a company here in, in Racine that shall remain nameless. I couldn't stand it. And I just, I felt miserable every single day I woke up. That was only because I wasn't able to gig and, you know, make any money from that. Yeah. I just, uh, I spent so much time there. I was working 10 hour days, seven days a week, or not seven days a week, six days a week, excuse me. Some weeks, every other week was six days a week, 10 hour days. And I was just like, I can't do this. Uh, I I do nothing but wake up and go to work and come back home and and it feel, and it would feel like I, I never left. Yeah. I would always be in a bad mood and I always felt. I felt so bad because my, my girlfriend, she, you know, we, she, I'm normally a, a very listening and caring person. So she would normally, you know, go about her day and like, tell me about it, you know, at, at the end of it, but she'd tell me, she'd start talking and then I, I would immediately turn around and it's like, that's not what I want to do. Like, I want to listen, but I can't. Right. And so now, you know, me being back to getting and doing what I love, I'm able to, you know, focus and care more about other people. And I, I think that's a lot of, you know, a lot of people struggles that yeah. they're not able to care because they're too busy handling business. That's very well said. So thanks for that insight. As we wrap this up, what's on your playlist right now? What artists are you listening to that you feel like deserve to be more recognized that maybe not be getting enough recognized? They can be local artists or non-local artists. At the top of my head, the Mills Brothers. I don't know if you know who they are, but the Mills Brothers are a singing group or were a singing group that were that their career began in the 1930s and kept going all the way through the 80s and night and 90s when um, the final Mills brother had passed away. Their vocal harmonies and their ingenuity and just like their arrangements of you know songs that are popular or, or were popular at the time, like Duke Ellington's Caravan, are just phenomenal. Okay. Yeah. And then modern day, I'd have to say I play a lot of Kingfish. Okay. I don't know if you know who he is, but he's a he's a popular blues artist. Um, he's 22. So he's like a month older than I am, and uh, the man just shreds. Um, it's it's absolutely absolutely ridiculous. And if you can go see him live in concert one day, do it. Well, spare no expense. I mean, it was ridiculous to see him melt my face like that. I was like, yeah. oh, old man. I'll have to check him out. I know that feeling. I went and saw Stanley Clark about 10 years ago went to Michigan and saw him play and my jaw hit the floor for like the first half hour. I just, the whole band was just phenomenal. So yeah, I understand exactly where you're coming from. Sweet, man. I've taken enough of your time. I really appreciate you being on the Wisconsin Music Podcast, Stephen. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, my friend. Awesome. And we'll talk soon. Thanks everyone for listening to another episode of the Wisconsin Music Podcast. Greatly appreciated. I do hope you are enjoying everything that's been coming on this channel for the last almost six months. Our sixth month will be next week. Next week will be the start of our sixth month here doing the podcast. And I've learned a lot. Hopefully the episodes have been getting better and better. I hope you've been enjoying the, the great guests that we've had on here. I know I have. And I just want to say thank you so much for listening. I'd like to thank Nate Wyckoff for creating the music for the Wisconsin Music Podcast and to Dean Bundy for our great voiceover in the beginning and intro. Thanks to Jacob at CW Hip Hop for syndicating our podcast every Monday at 4 p.m. at CWHipHop.com. Also, ZTF Studio Recording and Mixing Services, specializing in singles, demos, EPs, and LP projects for the last 20 years in southeastern Wisconsin. 
doing jazz, rock, funk, country, indie, and more. Overhead looming, please be 